Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Salt and Light on Tigerberg Radio, another episode. And we are here today with Hunter Combs. He's going to be talking to us about perseverance within the Christian faith. Hunter, welcome. Good to be here, Indomiso. Thanks uh, for having me. I'm really glad to have this opportunity to open up the word and just talk a bit this evening about what it means to persevere as Christians. Excellent. We can't wait to hear that because we know in today's world, 2021 is worse than 2020, and Christians just seem to be failing and flailing away, actually, especially mm. towards the church. So yeah. how do we bring those numbers back into the church? How do we mm. end Zoom church meetings? <laughs> how do we persevere through the trials? That's a good question. Well, I'm not here to resolve all those questions, although I wish I was. Uh, I think those are pretty big questions I think the church is facing. How how do we come back together as the body of Christ? This has been a tricky, what has it been, a year and a half now since the lockdown began in South Africa? March 20... Yeah, 500 and something, something days. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay, that's a lot. So almost two years. Yeah. Has it really almost been two years? Yeah, it's almost been. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not. we're not here to give a social commentary on the lockdown, anything else, but really just to say, what does the Word of God have to say about Christians persevering in their faith? And I think the book of Hebrews is a really appropriate place to look, because when you look at the book of Hebrews and the purpose for which it was written, it was written to encourage believers to look to Christ and persevere in their faith. And that's exactly what the author does many times. These warning passages throughout Hebrews, I mean, if you just take a quick glance across the book of Hebrews, he says in Hebrews 3, chapter 12, he says, take care, brother, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And he has these warnings throughout the book of Hebrews. And again and again, he's saying, look to Christ and persevere. And he's saying, Christ is better than the angels. Christ is better than Moses. Christ brings a better sacrifice. Christ is a better high priest than the old covenant priest. He brings a better covenant. And finally, we get this passage in the end of Hebrews, Hebrews 10, not the end, but near the end, Hebrews 10. It's a famous passage that all of us know of. Um, and in it, in the beginning part of chapter 10, he's talking about Christ once for all sacrifice. Christ has come to bring a better sacrifice for sin. And so he appeals to the old covenant, not the old covenant, sorry. He appeals to the promise of a new covenant from Jeremiah 31. And this is what he says in Hebrews 10, verse 15. He says, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, This is my covenant that I'll make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there's no longer any offering for sin. And so his whole concept here, or his whole point is, Christ has forgiven us once and for all through his atoning death on the cross. And this is what he says in verse 14, just before he says, For by a single offering he, Christ, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Now Christ has died and his once for all sacrifice covers our sin. And so what do we do in light of this? What difference does this actually make in our lives? What difference does it make that Christ died for our sins once for all? Right. And that's what he that's what he's going to tell us here in verse 19. And this is where I want to focus our conversation tonight is verse 19 to actually the end, 30, not the end, but the end of these two paragraphs, verse 31. 
And this is what he says. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, how do we enter the holy places? By the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and a full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so his whole idea here is we have confidence to enter into the holy place, to enter into the presence of God by the blood of Christ shed for our sins. And his appeal is let us draw near and let us hold fast. Hold fast the confession without wavering. Well, why, why does he have to give this appeal? Well, the Hebrew believers or the Jewish believers who he writes this to were facing persecution, and many of them were leaving the faith and going back to the old sacrificial system. Right. And because of that, he's going to go on to explain what the danger is of leaving the gospel and going back to that old Jewish way of thinking. And so here's what he says after giving them a command, let us, sorry, what does he say? He says, let us hold fast, hold fast. That's the, that's the encouragement for us. He says, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. He's saying, I mean, I think there's much debate about this. What does this mean to go on sinning deliberately? Right. I mean, have you heard different conversations over this sinning deliberately? Well, does that mean we as Christians, if we just fall into sin, we're basically lo- going to lose our salvation? Uh, well, I don't think that's exactly what he's getting at. If you look at the whole context here, he says, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Okay. So what's he talking about? 28, he says, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Okay. So if someone disregards the law of Moses, breaks the commands of God, they'll die by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? Some commentators say that the sinning deliberately is actually to continually reject the sacrifice of Christ, to deliberately reject the sacrifice of Christ after receiving the knowledge of the truth of who Christ is and what he has done on the cross. These believers, these Jewish believers who are facing persecution, it was really easy for them to say, "Uh, let's just stop meeting with those other Christians and let's just go back to the old sacrificial system so that we won't be persecuted, so that we won't be crushed under the Roman Empire. Right. And so... That's why he gives us warning. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and profaned the blood of the covenant? And man, I, I know some people who recently, actually, a friend of mine from Bible college, who's a very, very solid believer, walked away from the faith. And I think each and every one of us who have been walking with the Lord any period of time, we know people who have 
walked away from the Lord. Of course. And it's not just the, oh, this guy came to church, he made a profession of faith, and now he walked away. I, th- okay, that's understandable. But when we see people like, not to name drop, but people like Ravi Zacharias. Right. When we see people like these really reputable pastors and godly men. People that have put in the work. Yeah, put in the work. They're, they're serious about their faith. They fall and whew, you, you start to question. It should really cause us to examine ourselves and say, what about me? Right. <laughs> what about me? I'm not, I'm nowhere near a they Ravi suppose. Zacharias level of faith or right. this other person or these other pastors. And sure, what happens if I go on sinning deliberately after receiving a knowledge of the truth? And so the, the, the warning in view is to not only hold fast to Christ, but not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, as he says, I think in chapter two, mm. do not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I, I forget exactly where it is. Um, but yeah, don't, don't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And when we give into sin, it does this hardening of our hearts before God. And it can really, there's a danger of us actually falling away from the truth. Right. So... Yeah, I think it's I think it's something that all of us need to really think deeply about is how do we persevere? So what would you say into me so? How do we persevere in our faith? What are some ways, I guess, let's just open up the conversation. I've been talking too long. We're nine minutes in. <laughs> too <laughs> right. much of me talking. But how do you think we can persevere in our faith? I mean, especially I think some of the difficulty here is we don't really need to think much about perseverance. Right. Because we don't face persecution like this. It's not like someone's coming into our church, putting a gun to our head and saying, hey, ah, are you following Jesus? And then we have to decide, are we going to save our lives or follow Christ? It's, we don't face that. Well, I totally agree with you. I remember a sermon from my pastor once who said uh, there's three types of Christians. It's either you are coming out of a trial, you're going into a trial, or you're experiencing a trial. Mm. So as you said, perseverance is kind of like a, a, um, an experience where it happens as you're living, mm. right? Yeah. You face all these adversities and persecutions and mm. you don't think about breathing. You don't think yeah. about blinking. Uh, you just do it. You just do it. Yeah. And <clears throat> God has put it in us, the Holy Spirit, to now subsidize us in pushing through the adversities mm and persevering towards uh, heavenly goals, even if it's through humanly instruments at home or your job, uh, but they take their toll on your spiritual life Mm. and your spiritual self. So overcoming those Mm. is something that you obviously have to do for your sake, for for the sake of your spiritual sanity and strength. So... Mm. (laughs) Obviously, the word is, uh, as you read in Hebrews, that withstands us. I mean, it it helps us stand against the fiery thoughts of the evil one. Mm. And in prayer, um, diving deep into Mm. prayer Prayer. and and, and, and fasting and Mm. not just seeing these things as uh, ways to... uh, Well, we, 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 we struggle to do these things because... Not because you're not spiritual, but because we're not disciplined. Yeah. Right. And we need some form of discipline to read our Bibles mm. every day, to to pray every day, along with the spiritual mm. uh, asset, uh, aspect of it. So perseverance, I mean, 
if any Christian is listening now understands what mm. perseverance should be and we've all went through trials right now we are going through trials and we need to persevere uh, to what end you would ask if we are going to be leaving a trial and heading into an, another mm. trial yeah uh, and i think that that alone can be just so disheartening at times um, yeah it I seems like the christian walk is one of unending trials like when is this right. going to end yeah well, actually, what Paul says, and was it at Second Timothy, he says, "All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted." Yeah, and so it's the... like, hey, you want to live a godly life? <laughs> well, look at your life. How godly are you? Are you being persecuted? <coughs> well, I look at my life. Not really. <laughs> right. No one's trying to kill me, or I don't know, slander right. my name or something. Exactly. So, am I not living a godly life? <laughs> Maybe I'm not actually living as godly a life as I ought to mm. if I'm not actually facing any sort of pushback. Exactly, and, and uh, we fall into those comfort zones where, okay, mm -hmm. we are not uh, uh, in terms of going through a trial, so am I living an actual godly life? But if you compare it in retrospect to other believers uh, mm -hmm. from around the world and even from across the street in a in a not-so-advantaged uh, community, yeah, um, you are... You might be going through a trial, but not at the severity of some other brother or sister who comes from a more hectic background. Right. You know. Someone who lives in, I mean, I don't live in Kailiche or any of the townships or, I mean, I'm grateful that the Lord's allowed me to live in maybe an easier neighborhood, but right. Yeah. And so there's different trials that we face, but we all as Christians do face trials. Right. So yeah. someone in a township could be, uh, coming back from work, but they have no groceries and they have nothing mm. to bring home to the family to cook. Whereas your trial could be, you don't know what kind of meat, you don't <laughs> yeah. know what to decide on what kind of meat you want to buy <laughs> for your wife to cook tonight. Yeah. And, uh, or you have, or you have trials just within the family or right. interpersonal conflict and things that like that. Your son is going through a phase. Yeah, or he's sick and your family's going through difficulties and you're not getting sleep. I have three little kids, so right. that is, those are trials, not <laughs> sleeping at night and then being patient with your children all day. That is a trial. <laughs> right. But one thing I think is interesting that the author of Hebrews tells us to do here, when he's telling us to hold fast, he says, well, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So he's telling us to look to the one who promised, that's God, he is faithful. And it says another thing in verse 24, it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Right. So we need to stir each other up. We need to be in community. And 25 is very key. And I think it's something a lot of pastors have had to consider over these last couple of years, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. How do you sort of navigate a pandemic and not neglect to meet together? And I think some people have done a good job of, okay, let's use the technology we have. Let's not neglect. But my encouragement to those of you listening now is, are you neglecting to meet together? I mean, we're, we're back, what, in level one lockdown? Right. So we're not even in a level of lockdown. Are you neglecting to meet together? as is the habit of some. I mean, I have to own the fact that it's been hard to get back to church sometimes. Right. I mean, it's like, oh, but it's so easy to sit at home in your pajamas and you turn on a sermon from overseas. That's true. <laughs> I mean, nothing like this has ever happened before. No. We, church actually stopped around the world. Yeah, so. this is a global, the greater pandemic is the spiritual sort of halting of the church. It says, no, 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 no. We can't even meet together as the people of God. 
And yet this is what the author of Hebrews says is going to keep you from falling away from the faith is to stir one another up and not neglect to meet together, but encourage one another. How do we encourage each other if you're not actually in fellowship? Well, thankfully we do have technology. We have WhatsApp. We have Facebook Messenger. You can talk to people across the world. You have Zoom. You have all these other things. But still, are we being lazy in our faith? Are we really getting complacent in our faith? Are we just, yeah, I'm a Christian and yeah, man, I'm really struggling, but I don't actually ever get together with other Christians. I don't have anyone holding me accountable. I'm not actually going to church because, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, we don't want to downplay the the fear and the real um, struggle that we've all been going through facing uh, a global pandemic and all the, the questions and uncertainty it's a difficult time, but are we neglecting to meet together? Because it says, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. I think one of, one of my pastors in the States, he told me, sin breeds in isolation, righteousness breeds in community. True. And I think that's very true. I've seen it in my own life. When we get alone and isolated, we often fall into patterns and habits of sin. Right. Some people might be struggling with alcoholism, substance abuse, um, I mean, other sins like sexual sins, pornography, other things. And I mean, when you're isolated in home, you're stressed out, you don't have any money, <laughs> you don't have a job anymore, right. oh, well, what do you do? Well, life's all meaningless and why am I even here? And Then you start to, start to spiral out of control because you don't have brothers and sisters in Christ saying, hey, how's it going? How's your walk with the Lord? We're in a sense neglecting to meet together. So even though many of us have not been able to physically meet together, have you been also checking out even with the means you have, like technologically? Are you reaching out to your friends saying, hey, how's it going? But now we really have no excuse not to be getting together with brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in Christ. And so I think the encouragement for us is don't neglect fellowship. Who is it in your life that God's calling you to encourage, to spur on to love and good works? Right. Who is it that you should be reaching out to and say, hey, how's your walk with Christ? Are there people, are there community groups in your church that you should be investing in? Are there ways that you can be serving in your church? I mean, the sad statistic is that 80% of the church, sorry, 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work. Wow. And so what that really equals out to is basically you have a pastoral staff and a worship leader and an administrator doing all the work of the body of Christ. But Paul doesn't say, and the body of Christ is a mouth and a hand Mm -hmm. and a foot. The rest can just uh, just sit on the couch and watch the rest. No, no, no. We're meant to be the body of Christ, all of us using our gifts together. And if the pinky toe isn't doing its work, the foot's going to get out of balance. The whole person's going to fall. The whole body is going to fall over. Right. And so all of us need to be using our gifts to encourage and spur each other on. So that's something I think we really need to think seriously about because we don't want to find ourselves falling away from the faith because we've given ourselves to isolation, neglecting to meet together. As the author of Hebrews says, we ought to be careful not to. Right, because that in itself is a sin. Um, Yeah. By definition here in in Hebrews, the author. And... uh, in in that in itself, like not meeting together and not encouraging each other, um, you yourself need the encouragement, and mm. uh, not just that you have to give it, but you have to receive be, it, right? And yeah. yet, and you in yourself have to be enriched enough mm. by the word and the spirit to give out, uh, to hand out encouragement 
mm. to your fellow brethren. And um, isolation, as you said, uh, does breed sin, just like still waters breed mosquitoes. Mm. And I think it's kind of a hard place that believers are in right now individually in terms of being um, quickened, as the King James would say, and shaken and stirred up to return back to pre-2020 uh, church conditions, which mm. in themselves yeah. were not really... They weren't so lacquer. Right. It wasn't <laughs> something to write home about. Yeah. But it's kind of like 2020 gave us an excuse to do church in pajamas and sit mm. at home and uh, write uh, the the nuance of that has worn off and now we have to return to the battle stations. Mm. And but that requires perseverance in itself. Mm. It may not seem like it's a trial, but it is a trial to get back into your your the mode that you were before where it's Wednesday, it's prayer meetings, Sundays, it's church, Friday, I'm helping with the youth or the kids program. And now all of that ended for like a year and a half. And now it's a fight in itself to persevere, to mm. go back. And even just to pitch up on Sunday is like a battle. Right. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> you got to church on a Sunday? <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and like some churches, like the, 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 the geographical map of a church, mm. uh, for lack of a better word, um, might have changed. Like yeah. when the church stopped in 2020 on March uh, 26th, uh, to where it is today, yeah, right. The totally topography of it, yeah, it's there's like it was two hundred people now, seventy it, people or something, seventy yeah. people, and the rest are demanding that they live stream it on Facebook mm. because they they okay now with uh, yeah, yeah, viewing it from home and not yeah. being in the fellowship. So perseverance in that that's needed in that capacity. Yeah, and we're not saying there's not any real. Concerns and issues why the church has said, okay, no, 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 we need to not meet together. Right. Obviously, there's been Obviously. the pandemic and there's been government regulations and everything else. And, and we want safety to, we're called to of... honor the government and uh, we want to be good neighbors and be sure we're not spreading any diseases that can kill others. But right. There are I, those that are like uh, susceptible to... Yeah, those immunocompromised people in our population. Exactly. And so there is there is a concern. But at the same time, there's also a call a call to hold fast and to consider how to stir each other up and to not neglect to meet together. And so I think our encouragement is don't neglect the meeting together. Encourage one another. Take some time this week and reach out to someone. Who is it that the Lord is putting on your heart and mind as we're having this conversation to reach out to this week, to encourage them, to inspire them, to spur them on to love and good deeds? Because Many, I think people more than ever now in this age of pandemic and everyone's thinking of death and everyone's afraid of, they don't have any retirement fund now, or they don't have any right. savings account. They don't have a job. People are more spiritually open and hungry than ever before because they're realizing I don't have anything to turn to. Right. I can't lay, lean on my job. I can't lean on security of finances. I can't lean on anything. Everything's gone. And now everyone's telling me, we're all going to die. <laughs> and so there's this real fear and insecurity. And so what do you have to lean on? Well, Christ. Christ is who we lean on. Christ is the one we hold fast to. We, we draw near with a heart of full assurance because of the sprinkling 
of the blood of Christ, the once for all sacrifice that's perfected those who are being sanctified. And so there's a warning not to fall away. And this is what the author of Hebrews gets on to say. He, he quotes the book of Habakkuk in verse 36, as we wrap up our time. And he says, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. And so the concept here, the idea here is to persevere in faith. Don't shrink back. Don't turn away from Christ just because times have gotten hard. Rather, get back in a fellowship, a body of believers. I think another thing we can do, maybe those who are in a body of believers, is go out and share your faith. Share your faith with people. Find gospel tracts. We have a ministry here in Rondebosch called Literature for Africa, which we give away free gospel tracts and Bibles and Christian materials to those who come in every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Use gospel tracts. Give them to people at the shops. Tell people, hey, how, ask them, how can I be praying for you? Right. And find opportunities to share the gospel with people who are hurting and broken and thinking, man, what am I going to do during this time? Look for opportunities while you're out to encourage people. Encourage other people in your church to, hey, let's get out there. Let's share our faith. So this is some things we can do. As Indemisu said, don't neglect reading your Bible every day. You can't go a day without breathing. Uh, someone once asked Charles Spurgeon, what's more important, prayer or reading the word? And he said, well, what, tell me what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you just breathe in, you're going to die. If you just breathe out, you're going to die. The same thing. If you're just praying, you're going to die because you're not getting any spiritual nourishment. If you're just reading the word, well, you're not actually having a living relationship with God. So right. You're going to die. You need to read the word, consume the word, pray to God, seek his face, and meet together with other believers and get out there and share the gospel so that others can know that there is a Savior who's come to deliver us from our sins, especially during this time of global pandemic and fear of death and people being uncertain of the future, we need to encourage each other to hold fast the confession of our hope who is Jesus Christ. And remember, as Hebrews has said that God long ago spoke through in many ways through the prophets to our fathers, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, mm. whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He, Christ, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Therefore, look to Christ, persevere in the faith. Don't be like those believers who persevere for 10, 20, 30, 40 years and then fall into sin right. and never repent and end up spurning the Son of God, trampling him underfoot and spurning the blood of the covenant by which they were sanctified. So that's our encouragement for you tonight. And we hope this has been a sober talk, but I, we hope that it's really been an encouragement to you as you think through these things. What right. does it mean for me to persevere in my faith during this 2021 year that seemed like and 2020 and 2021, this year that seemed full of so many uncertainties and insecurities. Right. I'm reminded of a song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full at His Wonderful Face, and the things of the world will grow strangely dim. Mm. In the light of His glory and grace. Thank you, Hunter, for um, expounding on perseverance and its meaning according to the Scriptures. And we hope you enjoy and are encouraged by this message that you've just heard. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Hunter Combs.
for Salt and Light. Good night.